The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. knows that when we eat well, we live well. When we live well, we have rich, vibrant lives. By focusing our eating on properly prepared, nutrient-dense whole foods, Kelly Hill teaches us how easy eating well and living well can be. Now here's your host, Kelly Hill. Welcome to Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. A few months ago, I was down in LA doing some work and after a tremendously long day, I got back to the hotel and I considered ordering room service, but well, I'm a people person. So I decided as tired as I was, I wanted just a little snack before I went to bed. So the hotel had a tapas bar, which is perfect for small bite plates when you don't want to eat a lot. Since I was there by myself, I was seated at the bar on a stool overlooking the chef and training a new employee. It was fascinating as I learned some interesting techniques to make liquid olives and cherries. And basically, I was treated to a dinner, a show, and education. For a food geek like me, it was just a little slice of heaven. A couple stools down for me was a gentleman who found the entertainment just as interesting. And we started talking. Lo and behold, I'm sitting at the bar with Dr. Stefan Hagopin. Not only a noted doctor in the field of osteopathic medicine and nutrition, but an organic farmer with Skyline Organic Farms in Topongo, California. Now, talk about a lucky moment for me. We got talking about one of his passions, identifying food allergies. Of course, I soon realized there were so many listeners that could benefit from what he was discussing. I had to ask him to join us on Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. So Dr. Stefan Hagapin has for the past 25 years maintained a consulting practice in nutrition and osteopathic medicine in Southern California, while also lecturing regularly at medical schools and in continuing medical education courses throughout the United States and Europe. He attended the University of New England College of Osteopathic Medicine in Maine and completed postgraduate training hospital training in New England as well. Since moving to California 25 years ago, his practice is focused on traditional osteopathic manipulative medicine and nutrition. He holds many lecturing and clinical faculty appointments at osteopathic medical schools and is a fellow in the American Academy of Osteopathy. His website is traditionalosteopathy.com and appointments can be made for consultations at the phone number 310 576-2505. Office locations are in Santa Monica and Pacific Palisades. I'm honored to have Dr. Stefan joining us today on Eat Well to Live Well. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start with, is there a difference between food allergies and food intolerances? These are terms that are, you know, they get thrown around a lot, and I want to make sure people understand what we're talking about today. Sure. Uh, you know, there are there are probably uh, a lot of different ways to make that distinction, and the purists in immunology and allergy medicine would maybe have their own way of making that separation. But I'd like to uh, distinguish them from the clinician's perspective, which I think is most pertinent to the person who's having the difficulties, 
and that is to uh, you know draw the line between intolerances being those things that uh, just disagree with us on any level internally. Uh, it's not just likes and dislikes. It's not just how something looks. It's not just associations, although those play in. It's things like lactose intolerance. That's intolerant intolerance. That's not an allergy, technically speaking. And it's a good way to look at it, even even though I kind of made it sound like I wanted to de- depart from the classic scientific approach. It's uh, it's really not an allergy. It's something that happens inside the stomach and intestines that doesn't involve your body reacting per se. It's just that you can't break down the lactose in dairy products. So if the lactose is fermented into anything else uh, more digestible, it's now tolerable. Um, If it's not, milk itself, for instance, cream, ice cream, uh, anything with lactose in it won't be tolerable. That's a food intolerance opposed to a food allergy, which many people are showing up with now in many different foods for a variety of reasons, but uh, one of the biggies you hear about now is wheat allergy. That's where the proteins or some of the proteins in wheat are reacted to, uh, some in the intestines, some at the gut wall, some in the bloodstream, reacted to by your immune system making antibodies against things that it would like to be rid of or ejecting mucus into the GI tract or respiratory tract to rinse away what it perceives as something that it won't uh, do well with and it needs to uh, get rid of. So there are so good when... reasons. And it's, Go ahead. It's a, there are good reasons for, for these. They're not all haywire reactions. They're, they're often well-chosen reactions by uh, a really refined organism. Uh, there's a lot that goes into getting us where we are now as humans, and uh, um, not not all the allergies are to be beat back or outsmarted as uh, as uh, you know we do with um, many problems in, in in our health with with our health. So when it comes to the symptoms and the reactions in the body, does it really matter medically if it's an allergy or an intolerance? Uh, it does in terms of the long-term consequences of it. Uh, in general, an allergy is a more complicated process that draws in more parts of your body's physiology. And if ignored, can lead to more problems. For example, an intolerance to lactose or a lot of other things that people just maybe don't digest, don't digest well. That's a that's a huge group of intolerances. It's not going to wreak havoc much beyond a lot of gas. And you might say, well, bloating, that's, that's a big problem. Bloating from a lot of wind is not as big a problem as, say, the bloating that people get from a wheat allergy where the bloating is from a swollen intestinal wall. That's a completely different type of bloating than the bloating from gas produced from undigested lactose getting further down the intestinal tract and then being fermented by, you know, organisms that live there that aren't meant to see undigested lactose, you see? Mm, okay. It's, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, a different, it's a different type of process and one that has much more far-reaching, reaching into different 
organs and different tissues and more pervasive uh, is the allergic reaction than the uh, mere digestive intolerance. If you're just joining us today on Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill, we're discussing food allergies with the help of Dr. Stefan Hagapine. Find more information at traditionalosteopathy.com. Remember to enter to win this month's free giveaway. Enter at the, to win at therightnutritionplan.com. Use the giveaway quick, quick link on the right-hand side. You can hear this show as well as past episodes anytime, anywhere by downloading the free MP3 from iTunes or listen on my website, therightnutritionplan.com. So uh, how can someone identify if they have a food allergy? Well, there are a variety of ways to make this determination, and uh, it can be quite an arduous process. Uh, There are some allergy tests that catch some food allergies. There are others that catch other food allergies. Um, You know, the popular ones are skin tests and blood tests. I'm a big proponent of careful observation. I think it teaches the the person who's living with these allergies and eating these foods, it teaches them much more to do uh, a bit of a research project on their own with guidance into how to uh, test for allergy to certain foods by eliminating some of them for a period of time, adding them back one at a time. It's also time-consuming and arduous, but skin tests and blood tests and then the, the approaches you take to uh, resolve the results that you get uh, when they're constantly changing are, are no picnic either. So, you know, the skin tests are classically uh, scratching some of the substance into the skin. Well, that's going to tell how your skin reacts. It's not necessarily going to tell what happens when you eat it. There's a whole different set of immune-reacting cells lining our GI tract. More than half of our immune system is found along that, uh, that tube. And it's, uh, it's not necessarily going to get the same view of things when we scratch the skin as when we eat something. Uh, likewise with the blood test. That tells us how something reacts once it's in the bloodstream doesn't necessarily tell us about the process through the intestinal wall or in the immediate reacting patches of immune cells along the intestine that, that, that run just behind the intestinal wall, uh, organs that uh, lie along the intestinal wall that participate in the immune reacting process. This is not as completely taken into account in your blood tests. And then the blood tests, some of them are testing immediate type antibody reactions and others are testing delayed or longer term type uh, antibody antibody reactions. And it's uh, a matter of putting all that information together to then surmise how someone might be allergic to one thing or another or, or perhaps a dozen or two dozen things or another. And, and the funny thing is, you could do the test again in three months after eliminating those foods and find a different set of foods that you're reacting to. It's a, it's a, it's a more complicated and murky picture than, hey, I'm allergic to this and I just need to avoid that and, and I'll be fine. Uh, not necessarily. And there are a lot of reasons for that not being such a, a simple answer. It, it should be. It might have been centuries ago. But the way our food supply has been altered in, in just in recent decades, especially, it's, it's not a simple 
uh, question to answer, what am I allergic to? So you are recommending pr uh, then a combination, uh, you know, primarily the elimination diet with some of the other uh, medical testing as well? Yes. The other medical testing, when there is any kind of severity going on, meaning your your food allergies are causing you to, you know, not be able to work, not be able to function at a high level, when the food allergies are really bad, you jump in there with every type of testing that you can and you try to gather information that is in agreement in the different types of testing to then take your best approach. Uh, you don't have a lot of time in some instances. You don't have uh, um, a lot of strength, uh, a, a lot of uh, room for experimentation, and uh, then you, you, you want to narrow down the field of potential allergens uh, as quickly and, and aggressively as possible. It's when you're going for the long-term result that you are probably going to be better off uh, leaning more toward the elimination approaches and careful observation approaches. It gets harder when things are long-term reactants than uh, the immediate reactants, but people can do great just getting the immediate reactors out of the diet. Something that you eat and congests you immediately or gives you a slightly thick head feeling. And for some people, that's why they eat, for that sense of fullness. They feel full in their belly. They feel full in their head. Well, sometimes that feeling of full in the head is a little bit of swelling in mucous membranes or even in other membranes around the brain itself. And uh, some people suggest the brain itself uh, goes through a, an inflammatory reaction. When, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a big well, deal. I, and and I, it's what makes a lot of food allergy hard to, hard to do anything about. When our sense of satiety and our good feeling of being well-fed and so-called comfort food uh, gives us a, almost an alcohol-like or drug-like effect. Well, we'll we're going to come right back and continue this discussion about uh, food allergies with the help of Dr. Stefan Hagapin. You can get more information at traditionalosteopathy.com. On the website, you'll find fantastic articles, a bit of history about osteopathic medicine, case studies, and more. All this information is at traditionalosteopathy.com. Remember to enter this month's great giveaway on my website, therightnutritionplan.com. Feel free. Feel free to connect with me on Twitter or Facebook at The Right Plan, and we'll be right back to continue this discussion about identifying and improving food allergies with Dr. Stefan Hagapin. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with me, your host, Kelly Hill. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. What energy all day. Ready to lose fat without feeling deprived? Tired of complicated weight loss programs? Wish there was a way to lose weight without processed and unnatural food? It's time to jumpstart your metabolism in a healthy way, the Kelly Hill way. This easy-to-follow two-week fat loss program has a 100% success rate to date. It creates and maintains overall health while reducing fat. You'll have more energy, think clearer, feel better, and have lost fat all while following the two-week menu plan of simple recipes that use real, natural food and include healthy tips for every meal. 
The two-week fat loss program is a clear, easy-to-follow plan that will help anyone get back on the road to optimal health. Order the Right Plan Nutritional Counseling two-week fat loss program today at therightnutritionplan.com slash book. Cleanse and detoxify your body. 28 Days to Better Health. Using nutrient-dense whole foods is the hot new book written by Kelly Hill. We're inundated daily with toxic compounds in our food, water, air, even our own metabolic process. In this new book, Kelly leads us on that 28-day journey to better health using real, natural food. Experience with over 60 recipes to choose from. This is a cleanse that won't leave you bored. And while your taste buds are happy, you'll benefit from increased energy levels, an improved digestive system, a decrease in food sensitivities and cravings, minimizing aches, pains, and allergies. Begin your 28-day journey to better health and nutrition today by ordering your copy of Cleanse and Detoxify Your Body at therightnutritionplan.com slash book. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Rightplannutrition.com slash book. Want to know the three biggest myths that keep you overweight? Well, now you can in Kelly Hill's free webinar. In just 40 minutes, you'll learn the three biggest nutrition myths that are keeping you overweight, feeling exhausted, and unable to reach your personal goals. The webinar is free, and you'll even get other great freebies that Kelly's clients use daily to reach their goals. It's easy. Visit therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar. That's therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar and sign up. 40 minutes that can change your life and help you find your optimal health. Sign up for the webinar and take the unprocessed challenge today to find the you that you know is there. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Sign up for Kelly's free webinar today. TheRightNutritionPlan.com slash webinar. That's TheRightNutritionPlan.com slash webinar. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with your host, Kelly Hill. If you have a question for Kelly, you can email her at eatwelltolivewell at therightnutritionplan.com. Now let's get back to Kelly Hill. We're learning about food allergies from Dr. Stefan Hagapine. Learn more at traditionalosteopathy.com where you can learn um, a bit of the history of osteopathic medicine, read articles, see how it's used even with uh, newborns, and connect with any of the physicians, including Dr. Stefan. So, uh, you know, this is, this is some exciting information, and uh, we want to get right back to it at, and, and help identify and improve those food allergies. Remember to visit traditionalosteopathy.com to learn more information, or you can reach him personally at two one or I'm sorry three one zero telephone number three one zero five seven six two five zero five. So we were just talking about you know some some pretty uh, almost overwhelming things that can happen when people have food allergies. You know, can someone have a food allergy without there being signs of what we usually think of as an allergy? Like I think of you know skin rashes or swelling in the throat as an allergy. You know, can they can they see? Can can they have a food allergy and not have that more traditional reaction? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great question. Uh, a lot of people assume that they're not suffering from any kind of allergy to the foods they're eating if they're not having a skin reaction or if they're not having the, mm-hmm. uh, the 
types of bad reactions that they're they're hearing about and maybe have known people to be hospitalized with. Those are just the most severe reactions, the skin reactions and the and the, the throat swelling, so-called anaphylaxis. There are very few of those in the range of food allergy. They're horrible, and they're they're really uh, to be dealt with uh, seriously. Uh, classic thing is uh, some of the nut allergies and and shellfish allergies, in which people need to avoid the things uh, really carefully, because the the allergic reaction can be uh, really severe. Uh, so, but, the, but what uh, type of what type of the, symptoms might someone experience if, I mean, because I think most people, they have a nut allergy, you know, they go into anaphylactic shock, they know they have that food allergy. What types of symptoms might someone experience if they're, it's not as, as hugely impactful as, as like anaphylactic shock and hospitalization? You know, the, the, the most common one I see is the simple mucus congestion, excess mucus production, uh, that shows up to any person most obviously in the sinuses, uh, upper respiratory tract, uh, but also is occurring throughout the GI tract. If you did a stool test on that individual, you'd find excess mucus production and uh, abnormally high uh, levels of, of mucus uh, uh, strands and, and, and frank mucus in the stool. And this is uh, happening throughout the GI tract in the stomach, in the, in the sinuses, um, mucous glands throughout the uh, upper respiratory tract will be hyperactive. And it's your body's way of ridding itself, first uh, lining the walls and preventing absorption that way and coating the, the substance that it's perceiving should be flushed away, coating the substance so it doesn't get easily absorbed, and uh, and uh, thickening the walls, the inflammatory reaction along the whole GI tract, including the respiratory tract, which is embryologically part of the uh, digestive tract, uh, the uh, entire thing can become a little bit boggy, a little bit swollen. The inflammatory response is really intelligent. It's designed to prevent us to absorb these things, prevent us from absorbing these things, and it's... Uh, what leads to the bloating as another sign. So there's the mucus production, the, the congested, stuffy nose kind of thing, and, and snor- snoring at night or inability to breathe through the nose at night. Uh, in children, that might be a, a mouth breather. Uh, people wonder if their children are allergic to what's in their formula. If you see a child with the mouth gaping open and breathing through its mouth at night, it's because it can't breathe through the nose. Nobody breathes through the mouth preferentially if they can breathe through their nose. And this is one of those signs. Um, you might just call it a stuffy nose, but a stuffy nose that goes on and on and isn't accompanied by fever is usually not infectious. It's often food allergy-related or some other allergy-related, which gets into another subject. How do you distinguish? You might be ready to ask me that one. How do you distinguish whether it's a food allergy when there are cats in the home and pollens and dust and... Mm-hmm. Right, seasonal changes, yeah. and okay, so you know people live in an urban area, maybe with air pollution, and how do they know it's not that? This isn't as important a question as it sounds. If you have allergies to all those other things that you can't do much about easily, 
everybody puts the air cleaner in the home when they find out there are dust and pollen allergies. Everybody closes the window and gets the cat out of the bedroom and maybe even gets rid of the cat if a child has cat allergies to, to cat hair or dander. Even still, it's so much easier to manipulate the diet than it is to manipulate your exposure to these ubiquitous compounds, these things that are in our midst. You go to a friend's house and there's cats. You go and play with someone who has cats, you're just as exposed. You go and uh, walk from your house to your car and you're breathing that air again. There's not an easy way to escape those kind of things. Where there's an easy way to escape the food allergens and there's a compounding effect Meaning if you've got cat allergies and pollen allergies and dust allergies and food allergies, sometimes eliminating any one of the four makes the other three so much less problematic that it's as if you've cured them all. Well, that makes, not always, makes sense. Not always the case, but often the case. So uh, will people always notice these symptoms, you know, especially if you go back to like the mucus and the bloating that you were talking about? I mean, could it, you have a food allergy and not notice that symptom? Yes, yes. Thank you for reminding me of that. It's absolutely <laughs> the case that it usually goes unnoticed because people get used to that. They assume the bloating is uh, something else. They assume that that's just their belly. Uh, they assume that it's... Uh, some other diagnosis that they may have been given long ago, irritable bowel syndrome. Well, 90-some percent of all irritable bowel syndrome is of unknown cause. And a lot of the times that cause is an unknown food allergy or food intolerance or both. And that's, that's something you can do something about proactively without necessarily being certain that you have the problem Again, through elimination. So I have people sometimes, they, 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 they give me a big question mark on their face when I suggest the possibility of food allergies, and it's because they've not noticed the reaction. They, they don't notice that they get worse when they eat this or that, and uh, they don't realize they're eating it multiple times a week and never getting a break from it in order to notice, and that's the way out. You need to take a break from things in order to even be able to notice what something might be doing for you, uh, doing to you. Well, that, I, that makes a lot of sense. I, I can see that. So if you're just joining us today on Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill, we're discussing allergies, especially related to food, uh, with Stefan Hagopin. Um, visit the website at traditionalosteopathy.com for more information. If you missed any part of the show, download the free app. Um, free mp3 from iTunes or listen on my website therightnutritionplan.com don't forget to enter this month's free giveaway enter at therightnutritionplan.com just click on the giveaway links on the right hand side so with that in mind that you, you know you're talking about uh, the symptoms let's yeah, I'm sorry I kind of skipped around here because my brain was going in a couple different directions so going back to the other allergens you know dust pollen chemicals you know my son's allergic to dog dander I mean we we have these things, like you said, the environmental impact that are around us all the time. So even though we can't get away from this, if, if people have these type of allergies, truthfully, then why should they worry about some minor food allergy if all the rest of this is going on anyway? Well, you know, that's, that's, that's a, a personal decision. That's a personal decision. And uh, 
in my opinion, the reason they should worry about it is that they could be functioning at a higher level and they could be paving a road to higher level health as they get older. Um, there, are, there are a lot of, and it's not just health in terms of, uh, you know, certain organs lasting longer and not getting other types of diseases that we're now learning in medicine are the result of chronic inflammation. Remember, allergy is largely an inflammatory response. And if it goes on and on and on and you've got inflammation in certain places constantly, 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 you're exposing yourself to the the chronic diseases that result from chronic inflammation. It's it's now understood that osteoarthritis is simply the result of the body reacting to constant low-level inflammation, parts of the body that are repeatedly inflamed for whatever reason. Uh, a, a lot of diseases are now, are now being understood in that way, and you can be heading that off by decreasing inflammation, just like decreasing the food allergies can make the reactivity to dust and, and animal dander less severe. Well, Decreasing the inflammation from food allergies in your organs can make those organs less prone to chronic disease further down the road. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, folks. That you know, let's let's get this is eat well to live well. So we want to do both eat well and live well. Uh, we're learning about food allergy, allergies and inflammation from a Dr. Stefan Hagapian. And learn more at traditionalosteopathy.com where you can learn a bit of the history. It was very interesting to read the history of uh, osteopathic medicine. There's some great articles and you connect with, can connect with any of the physicians, including Dr. Stefan. You'll, uh, we'll continue getting more great information right after the break. We've got to take one of those. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with me, your host, Kelly Hill. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Here is your opportunity to create a vibrant new you. Join international radio talk show host Kelly Hill and women's natural health coach Michelle Greenman at the Vibrant New You Retreat. This retreat will empower you to make the changes you've been searching for and help lay in the foundation for living the life you want to live, the vibrant you. Located at the beautiful Ashland Springs Resort in Ashland, Oregon, this retreat will help you create a vibrant life by first constructing your perfect plan and setting your vision and creating accountability for yourself. Kelly and Michelle will help you conquer negative self-talk, find positive motivation, and teach you how to create more vibrancy in your life. The Lithia Ashland Springs Resort offers its guests free breakfast each morning, natural mineral waters with soaking tubs, and so much more. For more information about the Vibrant New You Retreat, visit therightnutritionplan.com slash retreat. This wonderful opportunity is only offered to a limited number of people. So visit therightnutritionplan.com slash retreat to reserve your seat today. Not only can you learn about new and fascinating nutritional products at therightnutritionplan.com, but you can win them too. Every month, The Right Plan features a nutritional or innovative product like the ECO Lunchbox, pumpkin seed butter and pumpkin protein powder, fudge sauce from Wax Orchards, Zorba's handcrafted raw chocolates, coconut oil, and so much more. And every month, one lucky visitor will win the product to try themselves. It's easy to enter. Just visit therightnutritionplan.com slash giveaway. 
After you've entered the giveaway, check out some of Kelly's delicious recipes that not only will please your taste buds, but your waistline and health as well. At therightnutritionplan.com, you'll learn more about all the wonderful nutritious options that are available to you and your family. Remember, everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose in the right plan. Rightnutritionplan.com slash giveaway. Cleanse and detoxify your body. 28 Days to Better Health. Using nutrient-dense whole foods is the hot new book written by Kelly Hill. We're inundated daily with toxic compounds in our food, water, air, even our own metabolic process. This new book, Kelly leads us on that 28-day journey to better health using real, natural food. Experience with over 60 recipes to choose from. This is a cleanse that won't leave you bored. And while your taste buds are happy, you'll benefit from increased energy levels, an improved digestive system, a decrease in food sensitivities and cravings, minimizing aches, pains, and allergies. Begin your 28-day journey to better health and nutrition today by ordering your copy of Cleanse and Detoxify Your Body at therightnutritionplan.com slash book. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Rightplannutrition.com slash book. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Eat Well to Live Well with your host, Kelly Hill. Have a question for Kelly? You can email her at eatwelltolivewell at therightnutritionplan.com. Now back to Kelly Hill. We're learning about food allergies and inflammation uh, today. Welcome back as we continue at Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. Joining us for all this great information is a Dr. Stefan Hagapian. And visit the website, and I, I, I want to make sure I've been saying this wrong, come to find out, and it's always important that I try to get everything right, but it's visit the website traditionalosteopathy.com for more information. You can reach Dr. Stefan at 310-576-2505. To the nasal congestion, because I know that there's some listeners out there and they're thinking, you know, I don't really mind a little nasal congestion. In fact, it kind of even makes my voice sound cool. Uh, So what is the what's bad about that extra mucus production, really? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. That reminds me of an old professor of mine who uh, who uh, was uh, constantly clearing his throat, just constantly, and and uh, uh, sipping on his milkshakes after lunch, and and someone suggested that it might be a dairy allergy that's causing excess mucus production, and that's why he's constantly clearing his throat. And he and he growled at us. He said, "Ah, of course, of course, I have a dairy allergy, but I like it. It, it keeps okay. my mouth from drying out. I hate to drink water, so I'm always dehydrated, and this keeps my mouth moist." <laughs> Was wow! Hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you'll hear people say things like that, and you know, what? How do you argue with that? <laughs> there are trade-offs. If someone thinks their voice sounds cool, a little more nasal uh, because they're congested, then you know, you you if they, if they're not more interested in their ability to sleep without snoring, which you know, the cool-sounding voice might be outweighed by somebody later not being able to sleep next to them because they snore all night, yeah, maybe then they rethink that, how, how cool it is to have a nasal-sounding voice. 
That's funny. Uh, there, there are, there are other problems, you know, uh, sleep apnea is no joke. Uh, this it's is huge uh, right now. Oh, Every time you geez. turn around, somebody's getting uh, yeah. diagnosed yeah. with that. There are estimates now that, uh, some, uh, huge percentage, uh, maybe a majority of the, uh, you know, American population has some amount of sleep apnea. They say now that if you snore at all, you, you've got periods of apnea and decreased oxygenation of your blood while you're sleeping, which means decreased quality of sleep and stress on the heart and, and waking up as your body then gasps when it hits the deeper levels of sleep and relaxes further and, and closes off the airway further through the relaxation process. It's a, it's a problem when you then add congestion to the, uh, you know, breathing obstruction process. It's a big problem. So, Yikes. This is, yeah, yeah. This, there's, a lot, there's a lot to be gained from a little bit of improvement in nasal breathing. A lot to be gained. So if someone finds out that they're allergic to a food, they, they do either a blood test or they do the elimination diet and they find out they're allergic to something, does that mean that they're always going to be allergic to it and, and they you know, should never eat this for the rest of their life? Uh, not necessarily, it turns out. Uh, uh, as I mentioned in the beginning of the, of, the, of the discussion here, we were talking about the uh, uh, blood test sometimes showing up uh, positive, meaning you're allergic to some food, and then uh, some months later or a year later, repeat the test, and it, it's a whole completely different set of foods that you're allergic to that didn't show up the first time. And a lot of times that's because it's what you're eating too much of. Uh, if you want some basics for food allergy, my favorite little summary of, of where food allergy comes from, it's really two big categories of problem. One, overexposure. And that should be clear if we just think about our ancestry not having the opportunity for 52-week-a-year availability in most foods. Right mm-hmm. Up until this past century, before we had rapid transportation and and refrigeration easily available, we, we couldn't get most foods out of season. You got certain fruits for a month or two. You got certain grains for maybe a few more months than that, and maybe you could store some of them, but then they'd get moldy or stale. And, you know, at a certain point, you were eating other things at that time of year when the grains weren't coming in or the fruits weren't coming in. Certain greens were coming in the springtime. Certain fish ran at certain times of year. Uh, you could hunt some animals year-round, but you wouldn't always catch them. So there was different times of year you'd be de- eating different things. And we don't do that anymore. We don't rotate our diet the way our ancestors did. So we get this overexposure thing. It's, it's truly a contrivance, an abnormality to eat the same foods every week of the year. And for some people, every day of the year. I know many people who don't go a day without wheat or without yeah. dairy. Yeah, and, it's, and nice. it's not that dairy is such a problem in itself. Now, today, again, because of the way the food supply is, uh, the cows are eating foods that are not native to that species. So if a cow eats, say, a lot of corn and soy, um, which is going to increase milk production and help make that milk and all the milk products less expensive, it's hard to argue with, but it's uh, also leading to a cow with allergies. And uh, 
that can be passed into the milk. It increases mucus production in the milk and certain antibodies or proteins, sorry, certain proteins in the milk then are allergenic to us. They, they cause an, an antibody production by our body in reaction to that because that's not recognizable. And there's the other big category of uh, food allergy issue. Beyond the overexposure, there's unrecognizability. So if you think in those two terms, back and forth a lot, just cogitate on that. Overexposure to certain foods again and again and again every day, every day, or every week, every week. And then unrecognizability, foods that are not appearing to our organism the way they appeared on the planet for centuries, millennia, as far back as you want to count, um, when, when we have things. And it's, and it's kind of unprecedented. Cows have not, and, and other animals that we milk have not, they've, they've been grazing animals. They've not been grain-eating animals, and now we're feeding them grain. And in some instances, we're feeding them fruits and, and, and meat products to increase milk production and fatten them up or grow them up faster for meat production. And that's, that's, uh, that's a contrivance. That's, that's not, that's not uh, going to be recognizable to our system. And, and that's not even getting into the genetically modified issue. I don't know if we want to get into that today, but that might be the biggest problem with GMO food. Uh, genetically modified organisms are often, not always, but often, unrecognizable to the consumer, whether it's an animal consuming, uh, you know, grains and hay and, and animal feeds that have been genetically modified for different purposes, or whether it's a person consuming vegetables, grains, fruits that have been genetically modified for different reasons. It doesn't matter the reasons why they were genetically modified if it results in certain proteins or combinations of things in that food that our system doesn't recognize, then we react to it. Then we form allergy against it. Those are the two big reasons animals of all types, humans included, uh, will form an allergy. We, we, uh, we uh, react allergically to expel something. We expel something that we've had, one, either too much of it, that's the overexposure part, or we expel something if we don't recognize it as a food, as something that we can make great use of. And that's likely to be something that our ancestors ate. Well, if it's new to the planet, or if it's in a new combination that your ancestry, short-term and long-term ancestry, never was exposed to, it's going to be unrecognizable. Your body's going to try to expel it, uh, block it from entry, and flush it away. That's the essence of, of why we have allergic reactions. It's, it's actually a, a really intelligent response by our by our system. Sure. So are there foods that you know of that can decrease allergic reactions or does this come back to the each person's an individual? Uh, say that again. So are there foods that can decrease allergic reactions? I, I mean, you read about this. I'm not sure how much I, stock I put into it, but they, you know, they say things like, oh, turmeric, uh, decreases inflammation. Ginger's good for allergies. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, garlic is supposed to be another one. I mean, are those true, or is this this still just a uh, an individual in, thing for each person? 
Yeah, it's very much an individual thing for each person. And uh, I, I think I didn't hear the question because it, it, it didn't make sense to me. And, and I think it didn't make sense to me because it, it sounds a little bit like, um, uh, you know, uh, telling the injured athlete uh, that, uh, you know, the, the only reason that they're uh, not able to go full speed is is uh, because they're not getting enough of these foods that help kill pain. And if you kill the pain from your injuries, uh, you know, you won't have the injuries. Well, not, not, not really true. You still have the injuries. You're just not feeling them, so you're going to play through them and, you know, be able to perform, which is good for the team, but maybe not good for that injured part of your body, which Perfect. might just then get further injured. Yeah, it's a little bit like that with food allergies. You can take things that, that dampen the inflammatory response, and, uh, you know, uh, if you've got too much inflammation, sure, an anti-inflammatory is a godsend. Uh, but you're also kind of killing the canary in the cage. You know, the old, the old yeah. Uh, yeah, canary in the cage was brought to the coal mine for right. detecting gas leaks. And if the canaries, uh, you know, didn't, didn't do well, we, we knew there was a, a gas leak. Well, if you just get rid of the canaries and uh, you get rid of the gas leak, no, no, it doesn't work like that. Yep. Same thing. I figured as much, but I always figured I better ask because if I think it, somebody else is going to ask it. So yeah, no, we have to, we have no, to take no, a short. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. You would think maybe yeah. there are some antidotes to food allergies. Look, in medicine, we have all kinds of doctors just ready to give you all kinds of allergy shots to, quote, cure your allergies. Well, what's that about? Yep. Not going to happen. So well, we have to take a short happen. break. It does happen. It happens all the time. It's, it's, it's the, it's the standard of care. And yeah. you know, if you're reacting again, if you're reacting with anaphylaxis for no discernible reason, but it's a little bit, uh, judging nature harshly. I think maybe there is a good reason. Maybe some of the things we're reacting to, even with harsh reaction, really need to be avoided like the plague. Maybe they're carcinogens as well as anaphylaxis inducers. You want to cure your anaphylaxis only to get cancer later? I'm, now I'm, I'm just, I'm being hyperbolic and I'm, I'm suggesting that maybe there are reasons for our body's highly evolved uh, systems of reactants. That's all I'm suggesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. we have to take a short break. We've been talking with uh, Dr. Stefan Hagapian uh, about food allergies. Check out the website, Traditional Osteopathy dot com for more information articles a bit of history uh case studies and uh, so much more it's really a very interesting site you can reach him at 310 i'm gonna give you the phone number just in case 310-576-2505 catch this entire show as well as past episodes by downloading the free mp3 from itunes or listen on my website if you're interested in learning about the three massive mistakes even smart moms make that keep them overweight exhausted and worried their pants won't fit and how to avoid those mistakes, grab an online seat for my new webinar at therightnutritionplan.com. It's all free. We'll be right back to finish up this discussion about food allergies. Thanks to Dr. Stefan Hagapian. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with me, your host, Kelly Hill. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Here is your opportunity to create a vibrant new you. Join international radio talk show host Kelly Hill and women's natural health coach Michelle Greenman at the Vibrant New You Retreat. 
This retreat will empower you to make the changes you've been searching for and help lay in the foundation for living the life you want to live, the vibrant you. Located at the beautiful Ashland Springs Resort in Ashland, Oregon, this retreat will help you create a vibrant life by first constructing your perfect plan and setting your vision and creating accountability for yourself. Kelly and Michelle will help you conquer negative self-talk, find positive motivation, and teach you how to create more vibrancy in your life. The Lithia Ashland Springs Resort offers its guests free breakfast each morning, natural mineral waters with soaking tubs, and so much more. For more information about the Vibrant New You Retreat, visit therightnutritionplan.com slash retreat. This wonderful opportunity is only offered to a limited number of people. So visit therightnutritionplan.com slash retreat to reserve your seat today. Want to know the three biggest myths that keep you overweight? Well, now you can in Kelly Hill's free webinar. In just 40 minutes, you'll learn the three biggest nutrition myths that are keeping you overweight, feeling exhausted, and unable to reach your personal goals. The webinar is free, and you'll even get other great freebies that Kelly's clients use daily to reach their goals. It's easy. Visit therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar. That's therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar and sign up. 40 minutes that can change your life and help you find your optimal health. Sign up for the webinar and take the unprocessed challenge today to find the you that you know is there. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Sign up for Kelly's free webinar today, therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar. That's therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're tuned in to Eat Well to Live Well with your host, Kelly Hill. You can connect with the show by emailing Kelly at eatwelltolivewell at therightnutritionplan.com. Follow Kelly on Twitter at The Right Plan. Now back to Kelly Hill. Welcome back as we continue at Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. Today, we've been talking about how to improve not only food allergies, but inflammation as well, as well all thanks to Dr. Stefan Hagopian. Uh, now, visit his website, traditionalosteopathy.com, to learn more. There's some interesting articles, case studies, uh, or you can connect with him at, uh, here we go, area code 310-576-2505. Remember, you can be one of the lucky winners who receive free gifts every month. Enter to win at the therightnutritionplan.com. Just click on the giveaway link on the right-hand side or sign up for free weekly nutrition tips sent right to your inbox. They're back finally. Sorry about that delay. Uh, Next week, we'll be announcing the October Fantastic Giveaway. Tune in to hear what amazing prizes we have in store for you. But let's get back to food allergies with Dr. Stefan Hagopian. Now, um, you know, until recently, we didn't really hear all that much about wheat allergies, especially. Occasionally, some dairy, a little bit of soy, but... Uh, these have all just grown almost exponentially, it seems like, recently. Uh, you know, what's happening here? What, how are we suddenly getting these allergies? Well, you know, it's uh, probably got a lot to do with how we have changed the way we grow things like wheat. Uh, there used to be many different types of seed, and it was grown in different places in different ways. And as we want to increase the yields to bring costs down, uh, increase the creaminess of the flours for the pastries and the breads to be smoother on the palate, all of that alters 
uh, really the genetics, even without genetically splicing and creating, quote, GMO foods, uh, even just the hybridization and the seed selection and the way in which it's farmed can result in something that's new to our organism, new to our uh, planet. Essentially, it's not radically different, but it sure is different from the wheat our grandparents ate. And uh, it's changing more rapidly all the time. Uh, they're now breeding in certain types of weed killer resistance so that it can be sprayed with weed killer and not have to compete. And, and, and it's a good thing in many ways. It doesn't uh, require as much irrigation when the plants are not competing with weeds that are taking away moisture from the soil. There are some very sound reasons for these approaches, but unfortunately they result in a weed killer being applied to the plant and uh, the plant being altered to not die when exposed to the weed killer. And these kinds of modifications result in a different type of wheat than we have seen on the planet in the past. And, and this then makes us uh, react unrecognizable. That's all it is to it. That's all there is to it, unrecognizability. And it's uh, also overexposure. A lot of people, it's not just daily, it's multiple times a day. Toast in the morning, cereal in the, in the morning, uh, both of which will have some wheat in it. Uh, other grains now are starting to be reactive as well because of the same reasons wheat is. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a problem. Uh, lunchtime, uh, the, the, the snack at, uh, in the morning, often crackers, muffins, donuts, wheat, wheat, wheat. Pasta at lunch, a sandwich at lunch, crackers at lunch, uh, chips, snack bars, granola. It's hard to find granola without grain in it or wheat in it. Um, and then at night, there's uh, the breads, the pastas, the desserts. This is, could be three, four, could be five times a day. That's a huge amount of exposure. So this, this, there are a lot of reasons for this increasing allergenicity of these foods, but the, uh, the thing that, that, that people can do about it most easily is to realize first it's going to be difficult and there's going to be a withdrawal period. Withdrawal because of it's hard to find other things when the major part of so many meals is, uh, say, wheat and, and dairy. And it's also going to be hard to say goodbye to that full feeling, that, that, that little bit of bloat or fullness, satiety, uh, the high that you can get, and you don't even realize you're getting because you're getting it all the time, all the time, all the time. But you'll so we miss just, it we just, not there. We just, we just keep coming back to overexposure and unrecognizability, it sounds like. Um, well, we, we got to wrap up today. We've talked about food allergies with the help of Dr. Stefan Hagapian. Check out traditionalosteopathy.com to learn more information, read articles, case studies, find out a bit of the history regarding osteopathic medicine, and much more. Remember, you can reach Dr. Stefan at 310-576-2505 or visit the website traditionalosteopathy.com. This was an amazing show for everyone interested in nutrient-dense whole foods and finding out how to... to um, identify food allergies and recognize some symptoms. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Stefan, and uh, helping to explain some of the easy steps people can begin to take. Well, they're not really that easy, I guess, but you know, right now to improve their health and fight food allergies by you know, recognizing their overexposure and their unrecognized 
unrecognizability. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Kelly. This is great. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Remember, if you missed any part of the show, you need any of that information, again, download the free MP3 at iTunes or listen on my website, therightnutritionplan.com. Constantly lots of great free stuff on my website, recipes, articles, videos, giveaways. Take a look and get the information you need and want. It's all at therightnutritionplan.com. Next week, we'll have another great giveaway to announce. Until then, remember, when you eat well, you live well. So join me every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. See you next week. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Live Well to Eat Well with Kelly Hill. You can listen to the program live every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Everything you eat has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.